Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hi, this is Mark Witten, co-creator of The Hotel. For ad-free episodes, early releases, bonus content, merchandise, and more, head to midnightdisease.net slash join to become a member. You'll gain premium access to The Hotel and other fine audio dramas like The Theater of Tomorrow, Out of Place, and Margaret's Garden. That's midnightdisease.net slash join. Thanks for listening, and enjoy The Hotel. The void is endless black. It's here, in that endlessness, that I exist when the hotel does not. But I don't wait in the endlessness. Endlessness is a game of patience and focus. I exist here. Here is where I give my reports. Endless reports. Endless paperwork. Here... Never finished. Here, never waiting. I only wait when the hotel forms my private office around me. Wait for the paperwork to begin. Wait for the manager. Wait for the guests to arrive. Wait and wait and wait. My patience and focus are required for this as well. But my patience and focus are also endless. Form and color start to shape themselves around me in the void. Plain wood walls, a single door. My private office wraps itself around me as I step onto the hard carpet. The filing cabinets are overflowing with papers that spill out onto the floor. My desk is littered as well. No matter how messy or chaotic, the correct files are always provided by the hotel. There's a dark green folder in the center of my desk, red string keeping it closed. Inside is the necessary information about tonight's guest. Susan Brodeur is checking into a single for one night. She plans on leaving early tomorrow morning though she won't. She's a determined-looking woman with messy hair and dirty clothes. She won't have any luggage. She wasn't planning on leaving wherever it is she left. She fled in the night. Not this night, but a night when her clothes weren't quite as dirty. It doesn't say here who she's running from, but she's clearly afraid of something. Someone who pushed her around, or pushed her too far. 
Whoever it is won't be finding her. Not even I know exactly where she'll end up, but it will be somewhere far worse than she fears. I wait now, now that I'm no longer in the endless void. Wait for the guest to arrive, for the manager to arrive. Wait for it all to begin. As I wait, I read through the file. It contains vast and deep knowledge. I don't know what use the hotel has for it all, but it's not my place to question the choices made above my considerable station. Perhaps there is no use for it. Perhaps the information is here because the guest is here. Perhaps it's Folderol, as meaningless as every cry for help, and useful as every wasted tear. But procedure is procedure. I intemperate the intricate cursive and symbols the file is written in, and the secret life of Susan Brodeur is laid bare to me. Every choice that led her here, right or wrong, recounted in this file. And soon that file will include her death, the bureaucracy fulfilled. My skin is already ashen and my bones are pressed thinly against it. The hotel's version of our own little deaths. Inside my suit, I can feel my body sloughing into brittle flakes. Outside my private office, on the other side of the door, I can hear her roaming behind the front desk. I fill out the reservation card and put it through the slot in the door for the manager. She takes it, and after a pause I hear her start to roam the lobby. I admire her focus and rigidity. She runs the hotel, and she runs it well. When I hear her coming closer, coming back to the front desk, I know that means she's found the supply closet door. That's often the very first thing she'll do, sometimes even before taking the guest check-in card. It's a ritual of hers. She's checking for the lobby boy. Making sure she knows where he is when she needs him, I know. But I can't pretend to be blind to her borderline affection for him. I grind my teeth, thinking about it. I can't begrudge her her reliance on him. He does what's required of him. Is always on hand to do the dirty work but he knows better than to linger in my presence. I only wish there was some way he could never get out of that closet. But presently, I hear the rushed voice of someone who can only be Susan Brodeur, and I know the lobby boy's work is about to begin as well. My bones rattle audibly in the too cramped office. The last of my skin is starting to crust off. It doesn't affect my work, and it upsets the lobby boy. So I don't deny a small part of me enjoys the change. But I don't understand it. I don't believe the hotel wants us to understand. Not us. Not the guests. Sometimes I watch the guests check in. Watch them go to their rooms. Watch them die. 
Sometimes it's necessary for my reports, but the manager is more than capable, and the lobby boy is... competent. Still, sometimes I just like to watch. See how the hotel works as it enchants the guest, enchants us all into doing exactly what it needs, what it wants. I don't always watch. If I'm needed elsewhere or if I need to keep an eye on the staff. Tonight, I don't watch. Tonight, I wait. I wait for the endless void to return. Because tonight, when I look at the walls of my office, they feel closer than they should. Always the same office. Always too small. Even when it's not the same office. Even when it's not terribly small. I look around me, and I feel, for just a chilling moment, caught. Caught in a nebula of my own dusted skin. Caught like Susan Brodeur, out there talking to the manager about her room, about privacy, about doing whatever she can to make sure she doesn't get caught by whomever pursues her. She doesn't know she's already been caught by something far worse. For a moment, the walls seem to creep a little closer. I run my bony hands across my skull, and I wait for the death of Susan Brodeur. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. <laughs> she looks so worried. Look at her little face. So concerned and tired. She looks like an angry toddler. A child sent to her room without supper. I, on the other hand, look like I can be a good room for her. I look like one of those cheap tourist traps in the middle of the city. I look like one of those hotels you don't remember what they look like. All cheap walls and stone steps. My, my sign, sign out front still boasts about having color TVs in all my rooms. My, my lobby is barely an entryway, and my rooms are in a separate building wrapped around a cracked parking lot. Even the staff uniforms are dull, drab, grays, and beiges. Maybe you've seen a place like this? <laughs> 
with the ironwork fence keeping you away from the filthy pool. Maybe you drive by it every day and wonder what kind of person would check in there. The kind of person who's checking in here right now is stomping mad or stumbling tired. It's so hard to tell. People are so delicate. Just a few days of driving without stopping or sleeping and they can barely function. Get them a little too worked up and they get so mad they try to hurt each other. Try to kill each other. Try, try, try. I can do it without breaking a sweat. She's sweating, though. She's watching my front doors like she expects someone to come flying in with that kitchen knife again. As if I'd let anyone else come in and disturb her. Hmm. But disturbed she is anyway. All the lobby boy did was ask if she had any bags, poor thing. He can see she doesn't, but he still has to ask. <laughs> oh, he still looks more or less like a person. He hasn't even started to rock yet. She's just a little jumpy around him, I think. He can take some getting used to. She probably won't have time to get used to him, though. No. Now we've got a lovely room for her, and he worked so hard on it. She doesn't want him to take her to the room. Oh. Oh. She's leaving him there with nothing to do. I shift my hull slightly to make it easier for her to find her way. She doesn't seem to notice, which I find strange. I think I do anyway. She's constantly looking over her shoulder and pausing around corners. Always looking and never seeing. I can see everything, of course. I see the lobby boy shuffling back to his closet, the skin on his fingers already receding and toughening. The manager sees him and checks her own nails to see if she's starting to spoil. Not yet, dear. But she can't see the blood vessels in her eyes have already burst. I just think people look so nice when they die. I look inside the office. The owner is there. He's not doing anything, though. Just staring at the walls. Looks like he's pouting to me. Maybe I'll give him something to pout about when he reports back to me. Maybe I'll give him something to pout about right now. I think about it. I hold him in my mind. And I know he knows it. His reports are always better when he's paying attention, so before I let him go, I give the walls of the office a little squeeze. He's lucky I don't stick him in the supply closet with the lobby boy. Everyone's already tucked away. Even the guest is already in the room. She's checked the locks and drawn the curtains, and she's even pushed the table up against the door. She washes her face with very cold water in the bathroom and checks the locks and curtains again. She paces the room, chewing on her fingers. 
tearing little red bits of skin away from the flesh. Bleeding and scared, and we haven't even begun yet. Wonderful. The anticipation, I feel, shudders through the staff. Their attention turns to the guest. They watch their pale and soft rotting eyes from their stations as the fruits of their labor comes to bear inside me. The bathroom, to the locks, to the curtains, to the bathroom, to the locks, and over and over again she goes. I don't even think she's aware she's doing it. Pacing the room endlessly and endlessly, trapped in her own behavior. Her conscious thoughts buried under a burning wave of the fear and trauma that chased her from her home in the dead of night. She ended up here, and we have fears and traumas of our own for her. Blood has started to bead on her fingertips as she nervously shreds more of herself away. I twitch. And the walls of her room pushing just a little. She checks the locks again, and the back wall inches toward, inches toward her. Across the room and back again, each lap brings the walls tighter around her. She isn't seeing the room, though. She's looking past the room to whatever she needs a locked and barricaded door to keep out. She can't stop seeing that kitchen knife coming at her, and she looks for it again, peeking through her curtains. She's seeing her sweating, crying face in the car's rearview mirror. In the bathroom, she presses more cold water from the sink onto her face, hoping to hide the tears from herself. Every time she does this, the room shrinks a little bit more. Soon the room is no bigger than a smallish office, and she barely has to turn around to check the locks, check the curtains, check the bathroom. Unable to break the cycle in her mind, she becomes trapped in room 15. Oh, she is in real trouble now. The bed, the table at the door, all the furniture has finally caught up with her. Her fingers and chin are stained with smears of gore. Limpid pools of blood rest on the bathroom floor and counter, spilled from her constant chewing and washing. Her legs splinter at the ankles when the bed needs more give than she's got to spare. It takes her mind off of the table, cracking her ribs one by one. She tries again to start her little cycle around the room, but the room has finally gotten itself around her. From their own little rooms, I can see my darling staff watch Susan Broder finally succumb to all that pressure.
The Hotel was created and produced by Travis McMaster and Mark Whitten. Starring Kelly Ninaltowski as the manager. Mark Whitten as the lobby boy. Graham Rowett as the owner. And Krista Lewis. Music by Lauren Picorni, West Rodri, and special guest composer Zach Tatum-Drake. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Every town has its dark history. Hometown Ghost Stories is a paranormal podcast that goes town to town all across the globe, exploring the world's most haunted places, tapping into the dusty archives and the darkest corners to bring you the most terrifying stories of real people and their harrowing experiences. Hometown Ghost Stories dives into the history of haunted locations and investigates why and how these places earned their terrifying reputation. Rob, Dave, and Jesse go live every Tuesday night after an uninterrupted documentary-style breakdown on the case, followed by an open discussion with live viewers. Subscribe today to listen to Hometown Ghost Stories on your preferred podcast platform or watch the video version on YouTube and now Spotify. Head on over to the Bloody FM Podcast Network and check out Hometown Ghost Stories, if you're brave enough. (laughs) 